This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It's great to be with you today. We've been picking away at different questions, questions about the faith, questions about the Bible, loosely connected to a book, but not really strongly attached to that book. And we have just been dealing with some questions about continuity as of late. Um, That series, if you want to call it that, kind of stops today. And really the question that we have before us is just a very simple question as far as understanding, uh, but maybe a little bit more involved in the answer And the question is, will we ever see God's face? And I think the short answer to that is... Yes. Yes. Now now the question becomes, what does that actually mean? In practical terms, what are we going to observe? What are we going to see? What is that going to be like? And so we're going to answer that question more than, will we ever see God's face? Yes. Now, what does that look like? Well, in our present state, we're fortunate that we don't see God's face because uh, his glory is such that if we did, we would perish immediately. We, uh, we cannot, in our corrupted state, bear the sight of a, a holy God. And you know, even when Moses asked to see his face, he was, we're told, hid in a cleft of the rock, and the Lord passed before that so in one sense the shadow of his glory fell on Moses and he came down with his face shining from the mountain but um you know we do have the expectation that when we are glorified in the glorified state of um, you know at the end of the age that we're going to see God but God's not going to change God you know God is a spirit and doesn't have a body like men, we're told. <laughs> God is in w- the invisible God. So we're not going to see the invisible God because he doesn't change. But we are going to see Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think what we're getting behind the question is just the, this idea of, of God condescending and in, in how he communicates down to us. So when we talk about seeing someone face-to-face, we're talking about an, an intimacy, an eye-to-eye contact, a depth of, of relational connection that's available to us. and. Uh, the scripture always foreshadows that being full and complete at the return of Christ or our eternal glorification. Mm-hmm. And so we have passages like 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, where Paul says, when the perfect comes, uh, now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known by God. Uh, or 1 John 3, 2, dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Mm -hmm. So there's this expectation that seeing God Mm -hmm. face to face is a way to describe our full 
enjoyment enjoyment of relationship and intimacy with him forever and ever speaking specifically to -to face-to-face psalm 11 7 says for the lord is righteous he loves righteous deeds the upright will see his face that Mm -hmm. is they will enjoy fellowship and intimacy and relationship with him forever yeah and the idea of being before god's face is the idea of being in his presence and uh which we will be in his presence forever i do you know, I, I I think it's safe to say we will behold God as He desires to be beheld, yep. and um, mm-hmm. I think we will see Him. I think there is a promise that we will see Him in all of His glory. You know, in probably one of the earliest books of the Bible ever written, in the Book of Job, as He's going through His suffering, He says in chapter nineteen, "Oh, that my words were written! Oh, that they were inscribed in a book! That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever! For I know that my Redeemer lives." And he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. And so, I mean, it's, it's one of the promises that we have of beholding the living God, something that are the angels get to do even the demons can come before his presence and uh, we've been separated him by this gulf of sin and he has been restoring us and we get to enjoy that presence for all eternity and i think part of the struggle is that we don't quite understand the trinity Mm -hmm. and so i mean hebrews says long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Mm. And so there is this sense that when we see the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, we're beholding all of the glory of the Godhead, um, that we're beholding in Jesus also the Father and the Spirit, Mm -hmm. even though both the Father and the Spirit are the invisible God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Jesus Christ being the exact imprint we behold the glory of God in the face in, of Jesus. In Christ. the face of yep. Jesus Christ, and and now this <clears throat> is where the brain starts to hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how am I seeing the triune God in the one person of Jesus Christ? But I I actually think that's what it's saying that we are seeing the triune God as much as we can comprehend that. And there's uh, you know when. The prophets have visions of God, and they describe Him. I mean, there is a description of you know as He's revealing Himself in a way that His prophets can understand. You know, the the glory that is surrounding Him, and then there's you know the Ancient of Days being described, you know, the white beard and things like that. And when there's a description later of Christ, it's almost the exact description as what the prophets saw in the Old Testament as well. So. You know, there is a, it, it, it is this mind-bending thing for our finite minds of, of grasping how can the invisible be seen? How can the triune God be seen? You know, and, and well, you've got Isaiah God 6. God can do it. I mean, he's, he's, he can do it. Yeah. You've got Isaiah 6 where it says, I saw the Lord. Right. <clears throat> well, what was Isaiah seeing? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, he can't see the invisible God, but he is seeing the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I would say he's seeing the second, the pre-incarnate Christ right. in the heavenlies, which try to work that out in your head. Mm-hmm. And there is, a, there is a sense that, you know, the language of the Bible is God's baby talk to us. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, that's what Calvin referred to it. Uh, he's lisping in ways that we can understand. So this whole idea of seeing God, theologians called the beatific vision, you know, which uh, the ultimate end is for us to be uh, face-to-face in God's presence, as Ryan has, has pointed out. And this is the ultimate happiness that we that we could have. Um, and Jonathan Edwards said, the pleasure of seeing God is so great and so strong that it takes full possession of the heart. It fills it to the brim so that there is no room for any sorrow, no room for any corner of anything of an adverse nature, nature apart from joy. There's no darkness that can bear such powerful light. So in a sense, it's all the happiness that we could ever long for and hope for in this world is going to be realized when we come into the presence of God. And that is the gospel. I mean, that is the end of it. There is forgiveness of sins. There, there mm-hmm. is healing of relational brokenness. But ultimately, the gospel is good news because we get God in it. Mm-hmm. That's why Christ was put to death for the the, mm-hmm. the end of sin so that we might be reconciled, so we might receive what Adam and Eve lost in the garden, mm-hmm. that intimate relationship where they did what? They walked Walk with, with God in the garden in his presence. This is what Revelation 22 foreshadows. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Mm-hmm. They'll get to enjoy his presence forever. That's the good news and, and the hope that we live with. The gospel is not just for today, but it's also for eternity. Mm-hmm. And I think what the the New Testament sets before us is this idea that all that we go through here, I mean, we live in a world that is broken and distorted and marred by sin. And unfortunately, we as Christians are not immune to that. And so our whole life, we deal with the effects of sin. Mm-hmm. And even our view of God, our thoughts of God, are is marred by by sin. And Paul will talk about this idea that what is ahead of us makes it so that what we endure here is not worth comparing to mm-hmm. the glory that awaits. And I think what Paul is really saying is that when we get to heaven, one look. The, the first look that we have of Jesus Christ in his glory, everything else will fade away. Mm-hmm. Every, all of the heartache, all of the sorrow, all of the suffering, all of the, the, the sin and the effects of sin will be gone. That it will be swallowed up in the glory of Jesus Christ. And I, I don't think we fully can comprehend that. Yeah. And I think one, one thing, and... Uh, I think we often do think that, you know, maybe the age to come is a restoration of before the fall, but it's really going to exceed anything mm-hmm. that was there before the fall. And I think that one one key aspect is is that, you know, Adam and Eve, as perfect as they were, they weren't united to God. Mm-hmm. It's only through the work of Christ that we've been able to be united to Him, and so even seeing Him in glory for the first time having all things made new, being glorified in his presence, we will be experiencing for all of eternity that unity that we only get glimpses of here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the that peace that and joy that comes with that and defies all comprehension will be ours forever. So whether or not we actually physically see God at all times, it's we will experience that unity for all of eternity. Yeah, we experience the beauty of who he is and what he's done. And as, as it says in Revelation 21, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Mm-hmm. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. We will physically understand how his dwelling place is with us. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where a little bit where the church has not done as well as what it ought to do. I mean, the New Testament oftentimes says that we're supposed to encourage one another with these truths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I even think of my own role as a minister that I I don't think I've encouraged my people enough with these truths of the reality of the the glory that awaits the people of God as as they dwell with God forever and behold his glory behold his face and I think we should we probably need as collectively as a church to do a better job of saying let me encourage you this isn't your destination this isn't your final home there's something that awaits and we probably could do a better job on that we are trying to help you with that because we're having a conference, God to us, that talks about the, the covenant, but really the covenant begins in the Old Testament, but it doesn't end until we get to glory. Mm-hmm. And really it's a, the pr- great promise of God that God will be a God to us and to our, our, our children, but that the great hope of that promise is that he's bringing his people to himself, that he wants to dwell with them. Um, not only now, but for eternity. So please go to ReformationBoise.com and register for the upcoming conference. 